everyone. Thanks for keeping track. We are back after a bit of a layoff. Um, I'm interviewing our co-host, Roisin McGettigan, today. Um, in this episode, Roisin and I talk about mental health in athletes. This is a big topic. We've been wanting to talk about it for a while, um, and it's gaining more and more exposure in the media with prominent athletes discussing and sharing their own struggles. Roisin, who is a licensed mental health counselor who works primarily with athletes um, and was a professional athlete herself, gives us an oversight to a growing body of research on mental health in athletes. This is a broad and general and very important topic. Um, So today we zoom in um, because you could fill multiple podcasts with this information and more information that we won't go into. Um, but we primarily focus on our own experiences as athletes and Roshin's work, which is like interesting because it's at the intersection of sport performance psychology, which is something we hear we, all, we hear a lot about, and then deeper issues um, around actual mental health therapy and you know how those two impact each other, meet each other, how one person can sort of uh, need both things addressed. So we hope you enjoy this episode and we hope it starts more conversations. Thanks for keeping track. Hi, Molly. Yeah. Hi, Ro. <laughs> so we haven't been on the podcast in a long time. It's just Ro and I. Um, but I'm actually going to like interview Ro for her expertise today because mm. she is, as some of you know, a licensed mental health counselor and a Olympian for Ireland and the steeplechase. And so I feel like that's a great combination of life experience to talk about mental health today. This is a topic we've wanted to talk about for a long time. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Roisin works with a lot of athletes in her practice. I do. And um, it's such a broad term, mental health. So I think first things first is like, can we zoom in on what we're going to talk about today, Ro, like in the context of athletes? Yeah. like. So what I kind of wanted to bring into today is I recently just completed a diploma from the IOC um, on mental health in athletes and mental health disorders in athletes. And um, it the diploma focuses on the, the research or kind of the growing research um, um, of on athlete, the athlete population and what we're starting to see um, in terms of mental health disorders and rates um, for mental illness and stuff like that. So I just thought some of the findings from that diploma were very interesting and I wanted to bring them in and I feel like it's a good, it's the kind of collection of the research to date. And again, it's 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 not completely conclusive. It's it's growing area, um, and there's more to come from there for sure. Um, but I thought it'd be interesting to share some of the findings. Um, yeah. And kind of identify, you know, there's this idea that like mental health sim- symptoms and feelings and behaviors um, that are normal in, in normal life and normal populations. But then when it comes to mental health disorders where some of these experiences become um, significant enough to, that they impact people's like daily life and relationships um, and sport, actually. So. You know, some of those symptoms include distress, anxiety, depression, sleep disturbances, substance abuse, disordered eating, um, sleep <laughs> is a big one, um, insomnia. Um, and 
yeah, I just think it's it's interesting to see like you know what's what's emerging from this growing area, and you know what's more common in elite athletes, and what's more common, what's as common in, compared to the regular population. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting um, concept because I feel like this is changing, but. I feel like the old school view of athletes is that you're just naturally resilient. Nothing gets to you mentally. It's like that rocky mentality of like you just yeah. plow through everything in life and nothing can keep you down. So obviously yeah. we're humans. That's We know now that's not true. Like what do the stats say um, athletes can be more predisposed to? What are things – like what is that breakdown? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think I'm, I'm with you on that. I always thought, oh, a sport is so prote- is a protector of people's mental, you know, well-being. And it's a really great resource for people. And it is. And it still is. Right. Um, and actually, some of the kind of things you learn through sports are actually really great for helping people be well mentally and physically. Um, but then there's also things that, you know, you're susceptible, especially at the elite stage. Um, so some things that are shown that are more common in elite athletes um, are eating disorders and in specifically more disordered eating, actually, um, versus eating disorders. And there's a kind of a difference between the two of those. Um, some substance use disorders, um, especially post-career. Um, ADHD is, is shown to be higher in the athlete population, just slightly um, compared to the normal population. Gambling disorders and then sleep disorders. So actually something like 65 or something percent of Olympians report um, having like sleep issues. Hmm. So... Um, that might be surprising to the population, but it's not surprising to us, right? Who <laughs> I know the night before a race, <laughs> yeah, that, or is that different? This is more chronic sleep yeah, issues, probably. I, well, it's not always just chronic. It's just you know, it's just whatever. Whenever these um, mm-hmm. tests are done, but I think with all the with the like early training for some athletes, or like the travel and all of these things, that actually sleep disturbances are kind of common. Um, even though sleep is so important for athletes, we also know there's so much research on the benefits of sleep for athletes um so things like that and then other things that um are as common as common as the normal population and again some more sleep stuff and then um depression and anxiety and ptsd so those are things that are as common or shown to be as common so um i don't know if any of those surprise you or not molly um but you know Sometimes people, you know, don't necessarily treat mental illness. They or coaches aren't so interested or maybe there's a stigma still around it. And these are things that are like barriers for athletes getting help and getting support they need. Um, So we want to just know that we want I want people to know that actually athletes well-being really does affect their performance if that's what coaches are interested in. but, you know, it also affects the return from injury and illness um, and taking care of an athlete's well-being is, is, is good for performance. It's not just, oh, that's nice. It's really important. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that like a support person around an athlete, whether it's a parent or a coach or um, I guess those would be the two closest day to day people that check in with an athlete like some some sort of screening they could do or is it really more reliant on like athlete self-reporting stuff yeah um yeah actually yeah there is actually um and we can share it actually in the in the 
in the comments of this. And the ISE actually created these um, screening tools. So there's a screening tool for professionals, but then there's also a kind of recognition tool um, that helps parents and coaches to kind of ask them certain questions for athletes and see how they're feeling and then identify, okay, do they need to get more help here? Mm -hmm. So there's some some two nice little tools. Um, The SMART, I think it's called, S-M-H-A-T, one. um, And it's like a simple little tool that parents and coaches could use. Okay, we'll um, link, to, so we can link to those yeah. worksheets. Oh, that yeah. looks really helpful. Yeah. Everyone, there's like a worksheet with looks like there's prompts and like yeah. sort of some screening, um, yeah. like things you can rate, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, exactly, with some little corrections and um, they help people kind of go, okay, is does this athlete seem okay? Great, and if not, if there's there's a couple of questions, if, hey, if they've answered these, we should go and do this next step. So kind of clearly trying to map that out for yeah. people which I think is a really important tool. Yeah, and it's smart. We'll link that. Um, going back a little bit, Ro, mm-hmm. like what was your motivation to get into this field? Like did your career as an athlete include struggles like this or you just always found it, it interesting or this is just how you want to help people yeah. like dive into that a little bit yeah, just for yeah. some background? <laughs> I think people will be interested in a personal connection. Yeah, yeah. So when I went to Providence College, I just took random classes and um, – was really interested in the psychology classes I took and just thought it was so fascinating just the science of behavior and also just kind of observing people on my team and seeing like some people can handle stress some people can handle performance some people can different things different factors that were going on that were just outside of the actual physical training we were doing um, and I just was so interested in it and curious about it and then as my own career progressed I worked with um a friend of mine who is a psychologist who kind of worked with athletes um, and I learned a lot from her and it really helped me perform better at interna- the international stage um, and I just was so interested in that topic and growing in that area because um, I felt the benefits myself um, and then actually it was post the Olympics myself I came back and I was just like everything was about getting to the Olympics and performing there and that was great. I had like support around that. Um, but when I came back, it was just this kind of like you're shot out of the <laughs> cannon and you're like, you're at the end of the tunnel and you're like, what's ways up, what's ways down? And do I have to just get back into the tunnel and keep going again? And it's really discombobulating. And mm-hmm. um, You're out of the orbit of the goals. Yeah, you're just yeah. like floating around. Yeah, what do exactly. I do yeah. yeah, you're just going to spot it, come out of that tunnel and the tunnel vision that you needed. And um, I needed, and it was like such a, big kind of driver like it kind of like the peak of the wave had like crashed down and it's a natural part of the cycle of goal setting and I didn't know that at the time and um but I know it now that like you know when you have a big goal there's this kind of peak and then there's a crash and that's that's the completion of that cycle right but in that backwash of that it was like well what's up what's down and just kind of navigating that was and was just like where's all the support now like where what's my purpose now what do I do now and um I kind of had to navigate that and um myself and I came through it fine and um kind of got back into it but I did notice that around me there was people who were struggling um and there was you know different sports different other other Olympians and 
I realized, wow, this is this is actually a thing. This is part. Of, this is something that's happening here. And in the in the last few years, there was more. The next few years after that, there was more talk about you know vulnerability of athletes post career and depression of that athletes are experiencing. And I was just kind of interested in that. Um, how do we support athletes and realize like they're way more than their performance? <laughs> you know, if you're like focused on running a laps around a track. Um, that like you you know you want to be able to like is this all I can do is this a who de- what defines me because that's what I'm here feeling from like the organizations like uh, there's no there's nothing I don't have a there's nothing else to repurpose me with here and um, so it kind of recognizing okay like I'm a whole person I'm a whole being and I don't have to let those things define me and I kind of did my own personal work on that and um, felt pretty good about it, but I could did see you, that other people were struggling in that. Did you do that on your own or did you have it? You said you had someone guiding you through that? No, or? I kind of did that by myself. Okay. Um, but then when I, um, I I felt like there was a there was like support for performance, but there wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily support for like those big questions of like. Well, that's I feel like we've talked about before how in sport, especially at the high level like that, it's sort of necessary to remove yourself from the outcomes mm-hmm. and the performances yeah. but all the all the chatter all the actions all the evidence around you is to the opposite of that yeah, it's very exactly. hard to just keep that inside and know like I have to have yeah. this other perspective of myself mm-hmm. but all the motivation all the money all the <laughs> press is like well it's on your achievements so yeah. it's just very hard to it separate is. those two because the culture exactly yeah, like the, culture. the culture is yeah. prizing that and valuing that yeah right so but it's it's destructive if an yeah. athlete you know fully ident- identifies like that so but it's very easy i see how yeah, it's so easy see, for that to happen of course it can yeah. yeah exactly like we live in a world you have to pay bills yep. you have to <laughs> um you know there's winners and losers <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah. there's the duality of like those two mm-hmm. both those things being true at the same time and um yeah and then i wanted to go back i was still so interested in psychology and um, I'd done a certification in kind of like sports performance and was working with athletes. And um, I realized actually sometimes like it's not about performance for athletes who are struggling. It, they've got other things going on. And mm. I at that time, I wasn't set up to be able to actually help those athletes. So I had to refer them out. And part of me wanted to do more in that area. So I went back to I'd already done a master's in um, counseling and education. So I decided I want to go back and get a license as a um, mental health counselor versus do more in the performance area. I felt like there was this need of like this cross section of actually we want performance, but we also need to be able to help people's mental health and struggles in personal yeah. life. And that was kind of where I felt more pulled towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad I did because, you know, once I kind of went into that avenue, people were still coming to me as athletes, but they were coming in with such a range of issues that um, were so far outside performance mm-hmm. only um, and some of the struggles in, you know, just in their life or some, you know, different assault things or mm-hmm. um, anxiety or depression that, you know, exist that like they're really struggling with that like not always about performance at all. Right. So it's yeah. like some some facets of your coaching before it was like I'm going to teach you how to deal with the undue pressure of you know lining up at the Olympics or at the Mm -hmm. state meet trying to win yeah and then on the other side of it it was like oh no your sport is actually 
like a way that like other problems in your life are manifesting, kind of like mm-hmm. a health, like you would maybe wouldn't be as affected. It's sort of like how with our physical mm-hmm. health, like sometimes you notice the problems first when mm-hmm. you're running. You're like, yeah. oh, I was a little tired today or oh, I was a little off. Like what's, yeah. there's something going on. Can expose so it kind of almost like yeah. the sport exposed some yeah. of those bigger things. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, right, you were going out there and you're putting yourself out there, you're putting yourself in these vulnerable positions, you're getting to know, you're getting to know fear, you're getting to know vulnerability, you're getting to know, you know, disappointment, right? You're kind of eating those things for breakfast, right? (laughs) And, you know, that can be stressful. So, um you know, we can all use strategies for that. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, hundred yeah. yeah, um, but then you know, like you're you're getting rewarded for performance, right? And and then this so oh, this drive to achieve, achieve, achieve can kind of skew people to the point where they're like, who am I without achieving, right? And 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 they can lose sight of that, right? Um, so it's kind of, it's you know. What's what creates somebody to believe that that they're defined by their achievement, right? And we can look at like all the different factors of that. Um, but it's been able to help people kind of gain the perspective like, like this is important, but like there's there's other things that are important. And how do we ground ourselves in like a, as a complete human and a whole being? <laughs> um, and we don't have to throw out and say, oh, competition doesn't matter, which is kind of like, you know, just like throwing it out the window. Like, that's not what I'm talking about either. It's just like, yeah, these things are important, um, you know, but they're risky, actually. <laughs> Sport is like the riskiest career you could ever choose, right? You get a call the day before, like there goes your like big performance of the year. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of cruel in that regard. So you're putting a lot into something. You're not always getting the exact return out. Um, and you know it's it's kind of been there for an athlete and being like it's okay you know the, you could win and that's awesome but you could also lose and that can be disappointing and you'll be okay and you've got the support to get through this um, and you're still loved <laughs> um, as a as a person it's not about your performance actually which it sounds counterintuitive but actually frees athletes up to just go and enjoy the thing that they love mm-hmm. And like a lot of my job is helping athletes do that. Actually, they think that the more higher performing they are, the more serious they have to get mm-hmm. to the point where they've like kind of like like they're nearly putting I mean, so much weight and stress on their performance that like it like locks up their whole body physically nearly as well as mentally. And actually they've been like, hey, that's, you know, your your performance your your you as a person isn't defined by that and like lightens that stress and helps them then I'm like oh yeah that's right and bring back that playfulness and that you know um joy that they maybe started with and like and then that's really good news for people that like oh, I can actually have fun and enjoy this and I can perform better and like that's what I see and like I'm not just saying that I see it every day and like um, it's great news to share with people. Um, yeah, because we can just gonna get so defined by our achievements and think, oh, that's what people like me for. Yeah. That's that's whom I must be yeah. and and start to see that like yeah. reflected. So like the forces of the sport at the high enough level can kind of like warp even a healthy mindset. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of got to unravel that. And then there's also, of course, you know, like other issues that can come in just from anyone's mental health being off. Yeah, um, yeah. You mentioned... I remember the last time we talked about this, um, it wasn't on the air, like this isn't unique to elite athletes or professional athletes or even athletes like at the very top of the races that you're seeing, like even young athletes come to you with these problems. So like, can you talk a little bit about 
that, like how common that is and what the drivers are, risks, help, ways we can help yeah. Um, young athletes. Oh yeah, I see this in teenage athletes mm-hmm. as well as you know, elite athletes, right? That they've found something that they're passionate about and they kind of are identifying with, right? They're just a, which is a natural um age appropriate thing to do as an adolescent. We start to kind of, oh, this is who I am and discover and then they maybe lock onto an identity as an athlete and they get a lot from that right they get a social network they get some recognition they get positive reinforcement they get physical well-being right um that if you take that away from an injury right you now this athlete lost you know their structure of their day they've lost that physical outlet to kind of it shifts everything mentally physically and all those good endorphins and everything else um they're also using this like oh there if i'm not competing then i don't feel like a, an athlete and if i'm not competing then oh that must mean I, i'm not an athlete and then who am i then right and um they also lose, you know, maybe disconnected from the team where the team are off going competing and they're at home and they're not having that social connection. So there's a little bit of FOMO, which sounds like, oh, just FOMO. But like, that's actually a really difficult feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and this exclusion as like h- human beings, we, we don't like that. We don't feel like ostracized. That's like the torture in other cultures to feel uh, like outside the group. Right. Um, so there's that can happen at a young age you don't have to be a professional for that to happen and then that kid is in a very vulnerable position right they've lost their they've lost their like mental and it's kind of like if we look at what happens in our brains when we've exercised it's amazing it lights up it's like crazy in the fmri imaging machines if you're losing that every day your brain's kind of like offline a little bit that can be like such a withdrawal it's actually like a chemical withdrawal as well so um you know anyone who's kind of goes from like training every day or whatever certain days a week to like nothing like that's like I know I wouldn't feel good off that you know and I don't even train that much but like we get we you know you get used to that as well so there's this kind of like physical things that's going on but then all those emotional things I'm talking about like the left out of teams or like feeling you know just feeling sad and disappointed um and then you know questioning who am i and like it's it can be very hard for athletes Mm -hmm. to experience that that can be a really rocky time too because like i know i'm thinking back to my own career and my first major injury wasn't until i got to college and you know i wasn't training hard enough in high school to really have big layoffs and so you're kind of just dealing with that the first time that first like shock of like whoa, this is taken away. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Sorting this out. I'm not with my teammates. Um, and I can think of quite a few athletes who, like, when they had that first big injury, it was, like, really, like, a kind of a perspective-shifting hard time mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like there should be a way, maybe now it's a little different, to, like, support those athletes better because you're, you're at college, but you might only be, like, 19 or mm-hmm. 20. And, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, like – figuring out your identity without a sport and it just yeah. can be a whole you know I remember when my that happened to my husband in college and he was very like moody and like it just it mm-hmm. feels bigger than it is you know yeah. of course zooming out you know you'll be okay now 20 yeah. years later but in the moment you're just like it's big it feels like a lot yeah yeah right and everything feels so like when you're younger like what's happening right now is everything yeah right? it's yeah. like that like short-term focus and it's just like 
this okay if, if I'm missing this meat this is a disaster right mm-hmm. versus like oh every season out. felt like the most important yeah. season yeah you know yeah and it kind of has to in a way if yeah. you perform but then it zoom out it's not right so it's like that perspective is not always there and mm-hmm. if you think about it if this is your first injury like or first gonna lay off it's like wait there what is this like this is all you've known mm-hmm. you know so it's it's easy to minimize it go oh like oh it's not a big deal it's a big deal to somebody when they're going through it and maybe for coaches um like college coaches to kind of have an awareness of like even though we've seen 10 teams come through 20 teams come through like Mm -hmm. for each kid this might be the first time they're dealing with this thing happening you know as a coach you see so many injuries but zoom in and we're just remind to that person this might be like a life-changing experience they're going through yeah exactly and like haven't like some of those things some of the coaches interventions that are shown to be helpful it like having that positive psychosocial you know support and help athletes like be self-compassionate right because a lot of athletes are so hard on themselves right and they might be lacking that self-compassion right so if you think about it like that ability to like push themselves so hard has probably made them a good athlete but like there's a threshold to that too so like now they've pushed themselves over that edge it that more pushing themselves isn't actually going to help them it's actually hurting them at that point right so help coaches being able to recognize that person's lacking in some self-compassion how do we foster that and how do we like help them kind of live into their values outside of sport as a whole being how do we de-emphasize achievements and outcomes you know even though it's this balance of like, yeah, we want achievements and outcomes, but actually your well-being is more important to me. And and, and coaches really expressing that and mm-hmm. holding both of those things to be true yeah, at the same time. I think, I think that's maybe where like the nuance gets lost sometimes. People just hear de-emphasizing the competition and it's like, no, no, it's so that you can unlock your full potential. There has yeah. to be that balance. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that, that, and I think it is sometimes like there's a bit of sounds like an ir- irony there. Like mm-hmm. actually, when we focus on the process, and and this is kind of coming back to the sport performance psychology. If you're focusing on the process, enjoying the journey, as as cliche as that sounds, actually, that's actually like a really good formula for like success. Um, so. It, if coaches are listening to this like by doing that it's not like I'm going to make your athlete softer like actually their happiness and enjoyment is going to help them be more sustainable in the sport help them actually want it more help them like stay with it and and ultimately like reach their potential and I think you know you can't really ask for much more than that right, right. <laughs> um because people confuse like the seriousness, like the the, the ser- more serious they want to get their sport, that like they have to like you know remove the phone. Yeah, or professionalism. I feel mm. like that's synonymous with like removing fun elements. <laughs> yeah, right. And then it's just like, oh, I have to do everything so robotic as I'm being a professional. <laughs> it's like now they've like completely lost their like enthusiasm and just they get burned out because it's not your whole your whole being and have other needs outside of performance and and it's it's not bad to like honor those things you know um but yeah like you know kind of recognizing that athletes are vulnerable when they get injured or when they're transitioning out of sports and and kind of having screening tools and 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 conversations around that and commun you know really kind of 
not just like crossing your fingers and hoping oh I hope they're okay just being like mm-hmm. hey like we're gonna we're gonna screen you when you're healthy so then when we're when something does crop up this screening tool doesn't seem like why are you giving this to me now just because right. I'm not feeling you know that like this is just incorporated into your like system as a coach or or you know you know this is just something that's done regularly anyways and so then you can identify oh there's a bit of a change there how do we like address that or like look explore that you know and the more we can do that um, and normalize (laughs) these things the better yeah right I think that's totally a good point I feel like when you only start to broach these topics when you think something's off I feel Mm -hmm. like people get a bit weird (laughs) yeah defensive or I'm fine or like yeah, it's just like checking in with your physical therapist mm-hmm. and, or your strength coach and yeah. maintenance work. So that's a really good main making it mainstream and comfortable to talk about is like so important. Yeah, I yeah. I do think there's a bit of it like I hope there's a bit of a trend <laughs> upwards yeah. in in regards to this and like you know this idea that like if your leg was sore you'd have no problem going and getting some physio on that and (laughs) maybe even doing some core work before you get injured you know that like you can identify okay there's things I could be doing to you know check in on my well-being or check in on my mental health or like you know even kind of the mental side is worried how I'm feeling emotionally and um about everything (laughs) um like the whole time so that it's you don't have to wait till there's a crisis you know mm-hmm. um and the more that's kind of like the more I think the more like the top athletes are talking about it it's really helpful for me actually now when I'm working with young people to be like do you see this athlete talking about it? did you see this athlete talking about it? they know they can they're starting to realize oh yeah that athletes are talking about talking talking to somebody and and doing that work and it's important because we look at athletes physical ability and what like shoes they're wearing or like in in some other sports like how much money they're making or whatever um but i'm like well what, what's their like mental kind of approach what happens when they are disappointed what happens when they lose what happens you know have they ever been injured like looking at kind of how they are mentally handling things mm-hmm. to me is like the thing that they should be modeling yeah <laughs> yeah totally um, um so yeah. I would love to link to some resources. What yeah. do you have anything more to say about like resources or like proactive things that um, athletes can do, coaches can do, parents can do, or like suggestions for information sources? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's you know, I think there's still some barriers. Like, I think there's we you know, what are some barriers that are like in our control and out of our control to you know for people seeking care or getting the help they need and like. I'd love to be like, oh, everyone just, you know, you just you just go find somebody and there's somebody great there for you. And and the, thing, the, the reality is that's not necessarily always true either. Right. So actually, you know, having a good mental health provider, having good people that you trust and care about and like that, you know, you can trust um, and that you have a positive engagement with is really important. But also like you know, there is a limit. There's not, there's not a, like, if you, I don't know if you're aware, but like there is a shortage of mental health um, clinicians nationally at the moment. People are like having a really hard time. So it's not, I understand there's not, there's a limit of sometimes resources aren't always there. Um, 
but there is also this idea of like the stigma is still stopping people so you act there's it could be people people that could get access to some help and they're not because of their own beliefs or there's the culture of like this is still something we don't do and and that's stopping people and, and like I think there's if we can shift that stigma that's going to be really helpful while hopefully we increase the availability of those resources mm-hmm. um that's what I'm going to say about that and then you know I think it's just kind of recognizing this and recognizing other things that there's cultural barriers as well like you know certain sports are more open to this and than others um um there's some kind of yeah there's there's just other barriers out there as well so kind of on the cultural side as well and um yeah there's some racial disparities there's socioeconomic inequalities um there's non-heterosexual and transgender athlete like barriers there for care um there's some religious and ethnic beliefs that can be preventing people from accessing this and so I think like there's more we can do to kind of realize that actually getting help is 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 good for people's well-being but also good for performance and um you know hopefully people there's more to do in in terms of change and access to that or because I don't know, I don't know about you, but like I didn't grow up in a culture that that was something that people did or do. Um, and yeah, so it's like you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. So I didn't, I definitely can relate to that. Like I didn't know, I, I didn't access that. I didn't know what that is. But now I do and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do so. love how, how much more freely it's talked about. I do think that helps when athletes yeah. aren't ashamed to be like, so I'm a therapist or, oh, yeah. I talked to the yeah. um, Because same, yeah, growing up, it was more that model I felt of like the robot athlete or like mm-hmm. talking to someone meant you were like crazy, which yeah. is like so not the case. So yeah. like I, I've talked casually with a sports psychologist offered by USATF uh, after an injury. But then even after like disappointing performance mm-hmm. like after Beijing I wanted to talk to mm-hmm. a therapist right because that really affects your career mm-hmm. that's really something that's going to be like I have not been through this before mm-hmm. it was like uh it felt really big mm-hmm. you know up close and so yes. I think that helps too just that mm-hmm. mindset of like you can't make a mistake mm-hmm. so I feel like this is like yeah you can I make a mistake it. if you need someone to help you get through a, a really crazy time like get the help move on yeah. you know I, I feel like I hope it not from the outside it didn't look like I just blasted back into the racing world you know so yeah 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 that things that can be difficult for people and so okay to get support yeah 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 it can be overwhelming um absolutely and just just being able to justify it I remember thinking like oh this is silly like I don't mm. like that's not like a real problem but like if it is yeah. a problem to you it is a problem to yeah you. of course yeah exactly and it's not a weakness to get help right you know that's the that's the interesting you know that's mm-hmm. some of the beliefs as well right oh I'm weak if I need to do mm-hmm. this work no no you're not actually yeah and it's so common I guess that's yeah. just the main takeaway too. yeah like varying levels of issues but like yeah. very common yeah absolutely yeah yeah I appreciate you sharing that Molly um absolutely and and you know when you kind of do the work that you need to do like where you can grow in your resilience mm-hmm. and grow in your in your determination and, and shift those emotions and actually make them really work for you yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um free you free you from some of those things so um anything else you're thinking about um yeah, I guess just like noting that we're talking about this in the context of like 
elite athletes or high-level athletes or just athletes, like sport, because you could have a whole other podcast about, like, general mental health mm-hmm. issues in this country and how poorly they're handled mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the issues there. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of us have family members that are affected by that, either close or extended family. And so mm-hmm. this, we're just zooming in in our lane, you know, mm-hmm. we're athletes, and we we do see how this can totally mm-hmm. – um, impact not only your performance but just like your your life so mm-hmm. definitely important to talk about and yeah we're glad that people are talking about it and we have um a expert on our <laughs> as a co-host so we thought hey <laughs> let's we've been meaning to do this for a while so yeah. we're glad to just get some there's more resources being added every year we need more research, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, the gaps in research. and Yeah, what I mean, I think it's a growing area, like um, looking at like mental illness and in elite populations. Like if we look at, you know, the research on like knee surgeries or hamstrings, there's like thousands and thousands of research articles, you know. And so in comparison, this is, this is kind of a newer area to be looking at. But I mean... I think there's loads of areas in research that have not been exhausted yet or looked at completely. So, um, you know, I'm happy to share, hopefully on this podcast, if there's anything I think that's coming up interestingly that feels like appropriate to share. Um, as I kind of try to keep my ear to the ground yeah. <laughs> in emerging research. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think athletes are can be so tough and so strong um, and it's hard for them to sh- feel like that they can show any kind of vulnerability or weakness. And I just want to say to the people who are struggle with that is that, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And actually, it's it's really healthy to, like, express some of those feelings and, and big, um, difficult emotions and get the support because they're actually not as scary or bad when you do that and <laughs> they actually you end up realizing like oh I don't have to be fearful about that I can express those things and actually freeze you up then to you know be or go out in the world and be a whole healthy human being <laughs> totally yeah you you kind of take the power from them yeah you're in exactly. control yeah yeah yeah, well, athletes love being in control. <laughs> no, but there's there is this especially like, track athletes. It's yeah, yeah. So it's not about uh, control. I mean, it is. It's 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 about like being with and being okay with what is there, and that it's not necessarily. It is, I suppose, in a way, controlling what you can control. Yeah. But it's not in the way of like we can allow it. You know, it's yeah. a healthy way to control it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think we covered a lot of topics. Was there anything else that you wanted to bring up from your research or your experiences? Um, I don't know. I just see, I see when people do have the courage to kind of share and do the work, it, as I just keep saying, it just, I see the shift, I see the change. And, and it's just like a, it can be a positive thing to, um, you know, go towards those scary things that you might be kind of, trying to exile in yourself oh I don't want to think about those fearful things or whatever and when people are able to kind of do the work around that um, then they can they're not you know the slave to those fears mm-hmm. and those exiled parts of yeah. themselves and they can you know show up you know yeah. in their true self and courageously and uh, calmly and 
um, yeah, and they can do their thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and it, it yeah, I encourage people to do that if they need it, even though it's like a little uncomfortable. It's like when you're going into a hard workout and you get that feeling of like, ick, I don't want to do it. <laughs> That's yeah. a good sign. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're getting to know, you're getting to know that part. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And um, we'll drop some more resources in the links, as I said earlier. So check out our blog, keeping-track.com. And um, Ro, are you open for business or are you <laughs> full of full of clients? Should people call you? Come to mama. Come to mama. Oh, <laughs> uh, look at yeah. Um, yeah, it depends on or we can where list, location Or maybe we can list a few yeah how yeah, to find, yeah 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 I mean a provider yeah I mean I, I'd love to say yeah but then also I think it sometimes depends on yeah where people are located and also what they're what they're struggling with and um sometimes if if people are struggling with mental health disorders and they're they have to be in their state to work mm-hmm. with somebody um who's registered in their state um, so I work with people in in different states with more on the performance side of things, and then if I work with people in Rhode Island, sometimes if in, in I can work with them more on the mental health stuff. So that's just getting into the weeds on how like things are structured with licenses and things like that. But um, if anyone ever has questions, I try to be responsive with emails and help people where I can and then if if we're a good fit great I'll work with people and if not and that's via believeiam.com or do you have your own yeah just (laughs) row at believeiam.com okay thanks Molly cool cool um thank you guys yeah be well mind yourselves (laughs) be real (laughs) hashtag be real yeah all right thanks Mel thanks for keeping track peace peace Keep Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Cherie Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures.